And good morning. Good morning. Good, okay, we'll try it again. Good morning. Like, I've been on vacation for a week. I am jacked up and ready to be here this morning. So y'all, we're gonna have to, you're going to have to vibe with me a little bit because I'm, I'm pretty excited to be back. I love vacation. I love getting away with my family. But man, I hate it when I miss a week of preaching. So I'm excited to be back and be with you here this morning. My name, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here at Fusion City Church. And uh, today, we're be- it's kind of a very unique and special day for or for, for us and for me, um, if you've been with us for the last uh, couple months or so, you've heard us talk about this transition that we've been in from uh, being a campus of the multi-site church, High Rock Church, and transitioning now into an independent, autonomous uh, church that, that we believe God is going to use to do great things here in the city of Kannapolis. Um, and so throughout that kind of transition and continuing to collaborate and cooperate with High Rock uh, we've been continuing to preach uh, messages in the same message series that they were using as part of that transition time. All right, well, today is week one of a brand new series that is completely our own. This is our first day kind of as Fusion City Church, all on our own, our message. High Rock's not doing the same series we are, and we're pretty excited about that. Um, thought you might be excited about it, too. They clapped last service. Now, it's, it's, it's too late. You missed it. It's over. The moment was gone. All right. No, I'm just kidding. We we are excited. We all we do hope that you're excited as well. We're just we're we're just so ready to see what, what we we believe God is going to do in and through Fusion City Church, and so we're we're a little bit pumped up about that. Now we thought there's no better way with this being week one in series one of a new series that's all our own. That's just kind of our first day is independent and on our own and that kind of stuff. That we wanted to talk about who we believe God wants us to be as a church, and so this entire For the next four weeks, counting today, we're going to be in a series called Who We Are. We didn't get real creative with the title. We tried. (laughs) We sat around and we talked about it. We kicked it. I was like, why don't we just call it Who We Are? That's what we're going to talk about. So welcome to week one of Who We Are. This is our message series about who we are as Fusion City Church. Now, what we're going to do. Um, is we're going to, for the next three, we're going to look at, who, at the core values of Fusion City Church. We believe that God has called us to be a church where people can come and connect with Him. We're going to be a, a church where people can connect with God. We're going to be a church where people can connect with other people. And we're going to be a church that connects other people with God. You see what we did there? Those are our three core values. We're going to connect with God. We're going to connect with others. And then we're going to connect others to God. We believe those are the three things that God has called us to be and to do as a church. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack that. We're going to dig into that, look at that. And we're going to do it through the lens of Scripture. Because in, 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 the, in the Bible, we have this incredible book, the book of Acts. And the book of Acts systematically records the beginning of the church. And so when we're trying to figure out who we want to be as a church, we figured we'd just follow the old cliche that says you never know where you're going until you know where you've been. Right? Y'all heard that? Do you hear like this? Yeah, okay. No, I couldn't get anybody to do that last service. I said it, and I felt like I was the only person that had ever heard that cliche in my lifetime. So I'm glad that a few more of you have heard it. You don't know where you're going until you understand where you've been. And so as we're trying to figure out what it is that God wants to do in and through us as a church, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the church. And so we're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapters 1 and 2, and we're going to read most of them. Right? We're going to read a lot of scripture today. The book of Acts is a narrative. It's like, it's like reading a storybook. And so I don't have to do as much teaching when the Bible does the teaching for me. And so we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. So if you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn over to the book of Acts. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapters 1 and 
Two, if you didn't bring a Bible with you today because you don't have one, we would love to give you one. You can stop by our resource center on the way out today. One of our lovely uh, Connections volunteers right there can help you. Uh, we'll give you a Bible, uh, just from us to you. Just enjoy having a Bible. Um, if you have a Bible and didn't bring it today, you, and you have your smartphone or tablet or whatever with an internet connection, you can follow along with us on Version Live. If you're looking to figure out how to do that, and you're not real tech savvy, if you look on the back of your program at the top, there are some instructions there on how to connect with us via Uversion Live. All the message content is going to be on there as well, so you can track along with us that way. Or if you don't have a smart, you got a dumb phone and you left your Bible at home, we're going to put the words on the screen. Here's one thing we are going to really do a whole lot at Fusion City Church, and that's read the Bible. Right? We, we love the Bible, and we love what the Bible has to say about Jesus. And so we're going to talk a lot about Jesus, and we're going to do a lot of Bible reading. So we're going to put it in as many places as we can figure out how to put it so that we can all read Scripture together. And before we get into that, though, here's what I want us to understand about the beginning of the church. Now, the church was always God's plan. God, God put a plan in place when he, when he, in his foreknowledge, knew that we were going to not follow the things that he had asked us to follow and we were going to mess it all up and we were going to end up in sin and this broken world or whatever god instituted a plan even before we messed up the plan he had a plan to fix the plan that we messed up y'all follow that because i didn't this add just press press with me press on press through um whew. man it's two weeks of vacation i'll kill you um <laughs> i'm a little wound up uh are y- y'all good we just let's all let's all take a breath together all right, here we go. Uh, God had a plan to fix the plan that we were going to mess up. That's what I was trying to say. I didn't quite get that out very well. I'm just a little hyper and excited. So here we go. Uh, so in that plan, God created the church. It was his plan to create the church. And that was going to be his vehicle to, to disseminate his message of love for mankind. Was gonna, that was going to happen through the church. So God had a plan to do that, but humans had to play a part in it. Now, on the human side of the beginning of the church, it wasn't as pretty as God's very systematic and well-thought-out plan. The beginning of the church from the human side of things came as the result of a lot of people asking the question, Now what? Have you ever had a now what moment? Show of hands. How many people here have ever had a now what? Type moment. Yeah, all of us have, right? They, they happen all the time. Maybe it's, maybe it's when you get home from the honeymoon, right? Like, you, you, like you've been dating, you did the whole engagement thing, you get married, you go away to paradise for a week or 10 days or two weeks or whatever, on a cruise at the Caribbean, on the beach or in the mountains or par- wherever you went for your honeymoon, and then you get home, and you just got to live with that person. Now, not true for me because my wife is a saint. I have to say that because she's in the room. Um, but I've heard from other people in, in marriages that they often look at their spouse and think, man, now what? Right? E- even, even more than, than getting home from the honeymoon for, for the parents in the room. What about the day you bring that first child home from the hospital? Right? Like it was cool at the hospital because they, they'll take it. They'll show you how to feed it. They'll take it and give it a bath. They show you how to wrap it up in the taco burrito blanket folding thing or whatever. But then you got to put that little bundle of flesh in a seat and drive it to your house. And I don't know if you did this when you got your first kid home, but this is what my wife and I did. She was still my first daughter. She's still in her seat. We sat her on the couch in the seat and just kind of stood back. And we're looking at her and we're looking at each other and we're looking at her and we're looking at each other. And this is the question that was on both of our minds. Now what? And there's nobody here to help us, and we don't know the first thing about being parents. Now what? 
Maybe for you it was high school. You graduated high school and you know, college just wasn't for you or whatever. And like you're kind of you're at the end. Maybe, maybe it's now. Maybe you're a student, a teenager with us in the room. And like this is senior. It was just, you're just past senior year. And now we're in a summer vacation. And summer's all cool because it still feels like every other year when you know, school ended, you took a vacation. But there's no new semester coming. And if, if you don't have a job lined up or if you don't have college plans in the fall, you might be asking yourself the question, man, now what? Or maybe you just finished college. Now what? All of us have found ourselves in a place asking the question, what do I do now? That's exactly how the church started. If, if you're familiar with, with church history or, or history of the Christian faith at all. Here's what happened. Jesus came to earth, and he leaves these 12 men. He calls these 12 men, 12 disciples or apostles, and he gathers these 12 men, and he begins to lead them and teach them and minister with them, and he does miracles in their presence. And as he's teaching, he talks about establishing God's kingdom on earth and how all of us belong to God and how we're all part of one family and how God is going to take his family. He's going to establish this kingdom on earth, and all of us as his children are going to be children of the king who are in his kingdom. And at one point in Scripture, these 12 men they're like heck yeah because if god is going to set up his kingdom here and jesus is his son and we're best friends with jesus once the kingdom gets established we're going to be like the top of the kingdom we're going to be like the the, you know the exalted people they're really excited about this idea of god's kingdom being set up on earth because as the nation of israel as jews they've been in slavery for hundreds of years at times they've been free at times and then they were back in slavery and then they we're free again. You have to read the Old Testament. And you get all that story. But throughout this whole calamity of slavery, non-slavery, and now Jesus is here and he's talking about a kingdom. And they're all excited about this kingdom that's going to be set up. And then, and then he dies. He, just, he dies. He's arrested. He's put on trial. And he's hung on a cross. And he dies. And all these guys, all these 12 disciples that were following him, they're so excited about this kingdom that's going to be established on earth and everything's going to be awesome and we're going to be children of the king and we're going to be in the kingdom and it's going to be great. And then the one that was supposed to to bring the kingdom, he died. And here these 12 guys are looking at each other and you know what they were thinking? Man, now what? Like all of our hope, our faith, our trust, our expectations. Now what? Well, then three days later, Jesus comes back to life. Walks out of a grave, defeats death, overcomes sin, death, and the grave. And he shows up and he hangs out with them for about 40 days. On, on different occasions, he'd show up and then he'd be gone again. He was kind of like a magician. He'd show up and then disappear. And then he'd show up again and he's talking to us. Like, hey guys, don't worry. I'm still here. Like I'm good. I'm alive. I'm not dead. The kingdom is still coming. Everything's still going to be good. And they get all excited again. They're like, well, good. Now he's back alive. And, and, and then we're going we're to read in just a minute. He ascends into heaven. Like just, he was with them for another 40 days. And then he's gone again. And these guys once again find themselves looking at each other. And they're going, now what? Like we just got him back. And he's gone again. Like now, what do we do? And that's where we're going to start our reading together this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Hang in with me. It's good stuff. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. 
During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Jesus just told him, hush your mouth and be quiet. It'll happen when it happens. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. You guys are going to want to be here next week. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So, so here's the picture, right? Just to kind of get there. Like Jesus comes back and he's talking to them and they're like, oh, is, is the kingdom going to happen now? And he's like, don't worry about that. It'll happen when it happens or whatever. He said, here's what you got to worry about. Stay in Jerusalem in a couple of days. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And then, whew, and he's gone. And, and the, the apostles are standing there. Like they're, like they're just trying to get one last glimpse, glimpse of his feet as he ascends into heaven. And then two, we, I guess we'll assume angels, white-robed men. They don't call them angels, but we'll say angels. The two angels show up and they're like, what are y'all doing standing here looking at the sky? Like he ain't coming back right now. He'll come back later, but get to work. Like he told you to do something. And so here we find the apostles once again. Like, they were all excited, and then he died. And then he came back to life, and they were excited again. And then he ascends into heaven, and they're looking at each other going, man, now what? Can I tell you one of the things that, that I often do when I find myself in a place of, man, now what? I hide and I pray. Like, I, just go, I just go get by myself and I pray. And that's what they did. Now, they had already been in hiding because... When Jesus was put on trial and they were his closest buddies or whatever, they were under some persecution and scrutiny as well. And so they've been hiding in this place called, it's referred to in Scripture as a room upstairs or the upper room. I don't know about you, but me and my ADD and I saw the movie Life, I cannot think about the upper room without singing it the way that Eddie Murphy did. Upper room. Like I just, it's in my head. I can't get it out. So every time I say the upper room, I want to sing it. So if I say the upper room and then I sing the upper room, you just got to bear with me. All right. So they're in the upper room and they're like they're hiding and they're praying and they're just waiting because Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. And but they don't know where to go or what to do. So they go hide and they're praying. And it's not just them. There's about one hundred and twenty believers all gathered in the upper. They're all in the upper room together. They're huddled together and they're hiding because they're scared and they're praying. Right? And then this is what happens. Chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, 
there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And so, so here's the picture. Here's what's going on. The believers are all in the upper room. They're hiding out together or whatever. The Holy Spirit comes and it begins to fill each one of them. And it makes a ruckus when it does. And so it causes people to gather around. They hear this loud noise and they all come to see what was all the ruckus about. And so they're, they're all showing up. And what they find when they get there are these 120 or so believers speaking in languages that they didn't have the opportunity to learn or know. It would be like me going to Costa Rica they speak Spanish in Costa Rica, right? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> let me go into to Mexico. I know they speak Spanish there. Like I go to Mexico, and the Holy Spirit gives me an anointing, and I begin to speak in Spanish. I've never learned a word of Spanish in my life. But this is what happens to the believers. They, they all start speaking in the language of foreigners. And the people are going, what in the world is going on? Like they show up to see the, the ruckus, and they hear these believers teaching the message of the gospel in their own language. Now, verses... Number, uh, I lost my place, I'm sorry. Verses 7 through 12, or 7 through 11, it gives you a list of some of the languages they were speaking. And those are really long words of people who lived in very foreign places that I'm not smart enough to pronounce. And so we're just going to jump down to verse 12. And here's what it says in verse 12. They, being the people who came to see what was all the, all the ruckus about, they stood there amazed and perplexed. Well, what can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Sometimes in the scripture, you just got to chuckle. Like Peter makes a really valid point. Nobody gets that drunk this early in the morning. Like that's, that's not gibberish they're speaking. That's your language. They're not drunk. This is of God. I think it's funny. All right, so note what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to quote the prophet Joel. This is what he says. In the last days, this is Joel's prophecy. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. Let's skip down to verse 22. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, Peter's referencing back to all the miracles and all the amazing things that Jesus did during his life and ministry here on earth. Verse 23. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. We've been hanging out with him for the last 40 days. And he just took off into heaven a few weeks ago. 
Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. And for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now I want us to focus in on verse number 37. This is going to be our focus verse for this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, look at this. I want you to underline it if you're reading along in your Bible or highlight it. Brothers, what should we do? Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. And added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That is the story, the beginning of the church. follow, Follow me through this timeline. Jesus comes and he he promises to establish his kingdom on earth, and then he dies. The apostles are looking at each other going, man, now what? Then he comes back to life, and they're excited again. They start talking about the kingdom, and they get, they get all fired up again. And then, and then he's gone, and he gives them this, this command. He says, there, there's gonna, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when it does, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my witnesses here, locally, and then the next town over in Judea, and then, and then to Samaria, to people who aren't like you. And then I want you to go to the very ends of the earth. Because of the power that is within you. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. But And then he he goes and he's gone. He's ascended into heaven. He leaves leaves them with a mission. And they look at each other going, man, now what? And then the Holy Spirit fills the believers on the day of Pentecost. And Peter stands up and he preaches this message. And 3,000 people get it. They get it. They're like, you're right, Peter. We remember. He was the one that did the signs and the wonders and the miracles. We, like, we believe he is the one that God talked about. This Jesus, this, this guy from Nazareth, you're right. He's the, he's the one. We believe. And here's the question that they asked. Now what? We believe. But now What? If I, if I were asked to, to define what the church is, if somebody, if somebody asked me, Pastor Brian, what is the church? I mean, is it an organization? Is it an institution? Is it, like, what is it? Is it a, is it a 
corporations, is it businesses? Like, like what, what is the church? I mean, we know that people gather together and you read the Bible and you try to learn about God and that kind of but like, But what is it? Let me tell you what I think the church is. Let me tell you what I believe the, the Bible teaches. It doesn't matter, what I, doesn't matter what I think the church is. It matters what the Bible teaches that the church is. Here's what I think the church is, according to the Scripture. The church is a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch of people. Worldwide millions of people. In light of who Jesus is, is and what Jesus has done asking this question now what I think it's a continual lifetime asking of the same question over and over and over and over and I think it's something that we have to ask ourselves as individuals I think it's something that we have to ask ourselves as a church now what And for each and every one of us in the room, that now what, your now what, is something different. Maybe somebody drug you in here today, like you you got plans for this afternoon, but you had to come to church with them first in order to get to the fun stuff in the afternoon. So you're here because they bribed you or tricked you or whatever. They said we're going to breakfast and brought you to church. Like what? I don't know why you're here. But here's what I do know. There's a now what for you. And maybe your now what is, like, I'm, I'm lost and lonely. I've tried life my way, and all I keep, I keep bumping up against some kind of wall where I feel like there has to be more to my life than this. That if there is a God, and if he does exist, and if he did create me, then he had to create me for more than what I'm experiencing right now. But I don't know what it is, and I don't know what I'm missing. So, hey, pastor man, why don't you tell me now what? I can't tell you exactly now what other than you need a relationship with the one that can lead you to your now what. I can promise you that God does have more for your life than you're experiencing right now if you're not experiencing the fullness of life that God promised us in a relationship with him. Your now what is a relationship with God. Bought, paid for, and offered to you through the blood of his son Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's your now what. For some of you, you're, you're now what may be, you know, I, I, me and God, we're good. Like, God and me, we're vibing right now. Like, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, do, I'm reading the Bible, God's speaking. My life, like, I feel blessed and favored. I, I'm, I'm being generous, and God is being generous. Like, everything for me, and God feels, man, it feels kind of good. Like, maybe I don't have a now what. You are wrong, sir, ma'am. Until God calls you home, you have a now what. There is more that God wants to accomplish through your life if you are still here. You you were created and designed with a purpose and a plan. And God wants to accomplish something through you. And until he takes you home, you've got to now what? And if you don't know what it is, you need to start asking. Because God God said those who seek would find, those who ask would be answered, those who knock, the door would be open to them. Like that's that's what God was talking about, that there's... There is access to him. There is access to his plan for your life through a relationship with him. And if you don't know what your now what is, you need to start asking. That's the question that all of us need to start asking. As a matter of fact, you can write it down, fill it in on your U version. We'll put it on the screen. Here's the question we all got to be asking. What is my now what? 
What's my now what? Maybe you've been coming here to, to this church a while, while it was still high rock, or maybe you've just been coming in the last few weeks since we transitioned to, to, in, to becoming Fusion City Church, and you're just like, I, I, I love this. Like, I think Jonah sings real good, and you're kind of funny sometimes, and like, I like what, I mean, whatever. I don't know why you keep coming back, but maybe you keep coming back, and you don't feel like you're connected here. And you say, well, man, I, I, there's got to be more to church than this. Like, what, what's mine now? What? Let, me, let me make a suggestion. Why don't you serve? Why don't you start serving here? If you, want to, you want to feel connected? You want to feel like you're part of what God is doing in and through Fusion City Church? Serve. I was at the beach last week with my, with my stepdad and my brother. And my, my brother was sitting around and, we, and my dad. And we're all under the, this like, shelter thing. And it was raining. And we're just kind of sitting there talking and hanging out. And my brother was talking about you know, how it, it can be difficult for people to get connected at church. And my stepdad, he said, I can tell you how to get connected. I can tell you how to meet people. Serve coffee. <laughs> serve coffee. You'll meet some people. I see. He said, Dad serves coffee faithfully when he's not on vacation. He's not here this morning. My stepdad, every, every, he's serving coffee, and he loves it. He said, I get to see every person that walks in the door and every person that walks out of the door. And every person that gets a cup of coffee, I get to talk to them. I have met more people serving coffee than ever in my life doing anything other than serving coffee. You want to meet some people? You want to get connected? You want to make some friends? Like, we're already a friendly church, but, but being a friendly church and actually coming to a place and making friends are two totally different things. You want to make some friends? Serve. Serve, serve on our connections team. The people that greet you when you walk in the door, like, that's your job is to make friends. Like, just stand there and make friends. That's what we want you to do. Make people feel welcome and, make, and you meet some people. Like, just, you want to get connected? Serve. So it's, that's how you become part of something. Invest. Take ownership. Right? If, if you were with us for our, our meeting a couple weeks ago, we said that at Fusion City Church, we're not going to have members. We're going to have partners. You're not going to be a member of Fusion City Church. Members have rights. There's stuff that you're entitled to. No, no, no. You're going to be a partner. You've got some responsibilities. And we're going to partner with you to do the work that God has called us to do, but you're not going to be a member where you come and we give you stuff. If you want to be part of Fusion City Church, if you want to be connected here, you want to be part of the family at Fusion City Church, you've got to be a partner, not a member. Get connected. If you like kids, go make some friends. With, with, go, be, go serve in our children's ministry. Not for me. Like, I like my kids. Not a good idea for me to watch yours. All right? Like, I'm just... Kidding. Uh, I, I, love, I love your children vicariously through you, right? But I, 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 don't, I don't know your children. Can I just be, can I be honest, like a little transparent? I don't know your kids. My wife knows your kids. My wife will say, hey, did you such and such as dad? Like, I have to say such and such because I have no idea. I couldn't even guess of a name of a child in our children's ministry right now. Like, did you such and such as dad? Like, I don't know such and such. Like, I, I might know his dad if you can tell me his dad's name. She don't know your name. Let me tell you that. My wife doesn't know you. She knows your children. Like that's, how, that's how she knows who you are. You are so-and-so's dad or so-and-so's mother, right? I know some of you. I'm not great with names. I know your faces. Like that, you want to make some friends? You want to be involved with such-and-such's dad? Like go serve our children. Man, what a fantastic opportunity to minister to, to the people, to, to, to the church by serving in our children's ministry. You heard Pastor Quentin say at the beginning that next Sunday at 3 o'clock, 
We're going to have some training. We're going we're to get together and we're going we're gonna to teach you how to, how to serve so that you can do it effectively. And that kind of, 3 o'clock next Sunday. You want to make some friends? You want to get connected at church? You want to be involved? Show up next Sunday and, and learn about how to get involved. We need you. We need some help. We need some more volunteers. We need some more people serving in Infusion Kids. We need some more people serving on the Connections team. And can I share a a, a trick of the trade, a tip of the trade or whatever? They tell you in all the church strategy circles, never talk about need. Don't tell people what you need. People don't respond to need. People respond when you tell them what they get out of it. I'm breaking all the rules. We need some help. We need some people. We need you to serve. Maybe your now what is getting involved in the church so that God can begin to minister to you and minister through you. See, all of us have a personal now what. We've all got to be asking the question, what is my now what? And then here's what the church is. The church is a gathered group of people all asking the question individually and collectively, now what? God, I, I, I have no more confidence or certainty that God called us to be a church i believe that god called us to be independent and autonomous i believe that god wants to accomplish something in and through fusion city church and that's why he led us to to, to take the steps that we've taken but now we find ourselves week one as fusion city church and can i tell you that the question that me and the other pastors on the staff are asking right now do you take a guess now what like what are we god you led us here now what and we got a city to reach, and we got people that need to hear about Jesus, and we got kids that need uniforms, and people that need food, and we got all kinds of stuff to figure out and, and to, to, to do that we believe God has called us to do. But we believe that He's got a plan for that. And guess what? You're involved in it. See, there's no mistake that you showed up here today in this place at this time to hear this message from this loudmouth about what God wants you to do and the question that He wants you to ask yourself about now what? See, God has gathered us as a family, as a church together so that we can collectively determine and and make a decision about now what? God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to be as a church? So for the next three weeks, we're going to work to answer the question together through the pages of Scripture. God, now what? It's something that we've got to ask as a church. But the church is made up of people. So it's the question that you've got to ask yourself, God, what do you want from me next? Let's pray together this morning as we seek the answer to that question. God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we've had to to come together, to gather together, to open the pages of the Bible, to read about the beginning of the church. God, we are here in this place gathered Thousands of years later, because a group of people in response to the power and the message of the gospel stood together and asked the question, what do we do now? We believe. We know that that there is a God and that he loves us and that he sent his son and that his son died for the forgiveness of our sins, resurrected to give us a hope for a future lived to teach us how to live. We, we believe all of that, so God, now what? And God, as a result of them asking the question, we are standing in a place together today asking the same questions of ourselves and of our church. 
to God over the next weeks, months, years. God, our prayer is that you would continually reveal to us what's next. Where do we go from here? God, what do you want us to do? And God, every time we hear your voice, every time we feel your prompting, every time we know that you're speaking and guiding and leading and directing, God, we're going to do the best that we can to be faithful, to step, to move, to risk, to trust. God, we're just grateful that we get to be a part of what you're doing. We're grateful. We're grateful, Lord, that our commitment to to being part of it is a direct result of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we are thankful for the cross. So, Lord, would you help us to live our lives in response to that by continually asking ourselves what it is that you want from us next. God, we know that you have a plan. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.